Welcome to the Return of Roots Mill Vet Podcast, your guide through the journey from military to veterans in the community. This podcast is dedicated to service members, veterans, and their families. Get ready for inspirational stories and experiences generously shared by our amazing guests. Stand by for the sound of freedom. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to remind you of two essential resources, the 988 National Hotline for Mental Health Support and the MYTT365 app available at mildevet.com. Both are valuable tools to assist you in your transition journey. Now let's get to the show. Return to Roots. Welcome. Today we bring you Siobhan Thompson. She is the founder of Throttle and Thrive. It's a six-man bed detox residential inpatient treatment. Here to talk about the program, Siobhan, without further ado. Welcome. Hello. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So, Siobhan, I know Chris is going to dive straight into the um, questions, and then we'll introduce you. But before we get there, can you just tell us a little bit of 30 second spiel, elevator spiel about who you are and what your program is about. Sure. I'm Siobhan. I'm an alcoholic. I'm in recovery. I've been sober for 10 years. I launched Throttle and Thrive um, earlier this year. I've been working on it for two years before that. And we're a substance misuse treatment facility. We offer detox and residential care exclusively to our heroes and our warriors, which for us are veterans and first responders. So this is a passion project. Recovery is something I live every day. I absolutely love it. I wouldn't trade my sobriety for anything. And in addition to that, I get to see men come back to life. When our clients come in, they are broken. They are hopeless. They're in despair. Sometimes they're heavily intoxicated. We get to watch them come to life. And the man that they entered into our program as is not the man that they leave as. So watching them be fully restored is such a joy. That's that's really awesome. Uh, let's let's just get it out there. How can people get a hold of you and find what you do? They can call me. Um, I'm head of admissions as well as the founder of Throttle and Thrive. The admissions line, which is my cell phone, you can text or call 805-701-1309. You can email me at info, I-N-F-O, at throttleandthrive.com or visit our website, throttleandthrive.com. But really the best way to get a hold of me or us in general is to call 805-701-1309. All right. And everybody, there's also a LinkedIn link down below. Check the comments, uh, hit her up. Hey, while you guys are checking those comments and stuff, uh, if you like the material that we've been recording, please hit the like button, subscribe to Mildevet, share it with your veteran brothers and sisters out there. Let's get the word. Uh, And even if you're not one who serves and you listen to this and you just, you know, a veteran, share it with them. Even if they're not about to get out of the military, finding other veterans out there that share their stories is like the whole entire reason why we do this. So, all right. uh, First questions off to you. Um, All right. What book or content do you recommend people to digest while they're in a transition? Well, for us, it's going to be the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That is is the book that contains everything as far as understanding alcoholism, what it is, and the same thing um, for drug addiction, substance misuse. Um, It's the same. It's the other side of the same coin. 
but the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous opened my eyes to fully understand what I was suffering from and more importantly, how to overcome it. So it's something we read around here daily. And with that, um, I, I want to ask you, because this is a passion project, correct? Um, what led you and inspired you to make this project? Sure. Um, I believe it was a calling from God. I was actually pretty happy in construction. I worked for a large general super, or general contractor. I was a superintendent. I was with them for 13 years. It was the company that rebuilt the Pentagon after 9-11. So multi-billion dollar company. I went to USC. I have multiple degrees in civil engineering. Construction was my everything. And then one day I was invited to go out to dinner with my pastor from church. And we had a, our visiting overseeing pastor from out of town. And he prophesied over my life that I would be interested in starting my own business. And I asked him, okay, well, what does that look like? I have no interest in starting my own business. I have all this job security. I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I'm making great money. I'm a part owner in this company. I drive a big truck. Like I'm living my dream. I love it. And he's like, well, it might involve something from your past and you're going to have a lot of employees. And the only thing holding you back is going to be fear. I was like, okay, well, I still have no idea what you're talking about. And he's like, well, take some time and pray about it. And I'm like, oh gosh, well, okay, well, what does this all mean? And I left that dinner and I was driving away in my truck and I just started praying. I'm like, okay, God, what is going on? What is happening here? Is this even for real? And I received what I consider to be like an open vision from God. And it was a treatment center that would be based in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, which some treatment centers are not. They're based in other things. My personal belief is I don't think that those things work nearly as well as the 12 steps of AA. Um, and the treatment center would be based in wellness. Some treatment centers are not. They don't exercise. They don't eat healthy. They eat a bunch of processed food or they over-medicate people or whatever it is. And then also there would be this invitation to spirituality where people could learn to experience God or at least be open to that if, if they choose. It wouldn't be a faith-based program, but a place that cultivates a safe space for people to explore what it looks like to have a relationship with a higher power. And I just started crying and that's not normal for me. I very rarely cry. And so I felt really convicted and really led. And I spent the next four months just praying about it and thinking about it. And then every time that I talked about it, or mentioned it, things started happening. I mean, people that I were just like my friends, I was like, hey, I might start this treatment center. I'm kind of thinking about it. They're like, oh, I know somebody that owns treatment centers. Why don't you talk to them? Next thing I know, I have a mentor that has four treatment centers that is mentoring me for free. And thing after thing after thing just kept happening. And so many miracles happened that it became undeniably clear that this is what I was called to do. And so I said yes, and I stepped into faith, and I stepped away from security and dependability and the comforts of knowing exactly how much I would get paid every week. And then I've risked my entire life savings and you know, pretty much liquidated everything I have and taken a huge risk to help others. And I've seen so many lives get saved and so many children get their dad back and wives get their husband back and the restoration and the miracles and even the miracles within my staff. So it's the most incredible adventure. And that's how I got into this. Normally, I would ask you a question about your past and how to move forward and stuff like that. 
But mm-hmm. I'd like to shift it with you. I'd like to ask you why choose first responders and why choose military? Sure. But don't program? forget. Yeah, don't forget to ask me about my past because I think that's important too. I won't. I, started I won't. I promise. 13. So please ask. No, yeah. Um, yeah. So w- once I decided that I was going to move forward with the treatment center, I had two options. I could either buy an existing treatment center and take it over, or I could start one from scratch. Starting one from scratch would be a little bit more difficult, but the availability of treatment centers that are for sale, there's not that many, but there were a few on the market. So I went and I toured them. One of them was non-operational and the house was small and it it just didn't, it didn't look appealing. And then a different one that I toured was operational. And so the owner was showing me around and we go into the garage and he says, oh, my firefighters, they love this gym in the garage. And I've been lifting for 20 years and I looked at his gym and I was not impressed whatsoever. And then I went and I asked my mentor, like, oh, that's interesting. Firefighters need help. Like, what's that about? Do you take firefighters? He's like, nah, I don't really even take them. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't take them? And he's like, well, they need like special things and special care and they don't really fit in with my population. And so that conversation led me to open the door of, wait a minute, there's different demographics of people that need specialized care. And so I started exploring. And as I explored, I was relatively aware of the veteran suicide rate. It's a lot more publicized. And what I found out is first responders are just as likely to commit suicide as veterans. And it was just heartbreaking. And I didn't know that. And I learned that, for example, law enforcement is actually more likely to commit suicide than they are to die in the line of duty. And that just absolutely broke my heart. And so, again, I felt really called to this demographic. And then I started to research, okay, well, what options are available for only first responders or only veterans? And then I found there's not that many options. Um, And so I wanted to have a dog in the fight. I also lived in Los Angeles through the pandemic and through the riots and through the craziness. And I'm so grateful for law enforcement and I'm grateful for the National Guard and I'm grateful for our military. And I love being an American. And so I want to be able to serve our heroes and our warriors and give back. I consider myself a sheepdog and I want to be in this fight. And I'm just honored that I get to serve our heroes and our men. Um, I'm also rather conservative. I believe in traditional values. And so the way that I am naturally tends to align really well with military, law enforcement, and first responders. Yeah, that's that's uh, right on par. Most of us are pretty pretty close to that. Wow, yeah. you're, I'm just sitting here listening to your story and just digesting it. It's pretty uh, pretty awesome, isn't it, whenever you get a vision? Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. It has just been wild. I mean, I could tell you things. And what's really awesome is the things aren't just happening to me, the miracles and God showing up. It's happening to our clients. Most people come in here not believing in God, being mad at God, or not even knowing God. And then I just tell them like, hey, keep your eyes open. If you keep your eyes open, you're going to start to see things around here. And after a while, you're going to start to not just think it's a coincidence. And so we have a little saying, it's an AA saying, but we say, well, is it odd or is it God? And eventually they start to think like, well, it can't just be coincidence for the 12th time. So it's really cool to watch them open up as well. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. How, how was it? 
I'm pretty sure you, you you've known this for a little while, so man, I'm pretty stoked to hear your answer. What what was it that helped you find your purpose in this mission? What was it? Well, there's so many different things. I mean, obviously my own sobriety and really wanting to help people. Mm -hmm. Honestly, though, it's discipline. And I harp on this all the time because when I was drinking, I was very undisciplined. But in sobriety, I'm 10 years sober and learning how to have discipline in my life and learning how to emotionally regulate and show up. And even the discipline of apologizing to a friend or a loved one when I hurt their feelings or I mess up um, and having that humility. Practicing a program has taught me all of the skills that I needed to be able to run a business, to be able to run a team, to be able to stay even keel when people are here going through detox and, you know, early sobriety. And that's really, really hard. So their emotions can be all over the place and I've got to stay even keel. Um, and the discipline of doing hard things, whether it's one of my favorite practices of working out and picking up heavy things for fun and doing difficult things so that I have that grit to be able to get through a really hard day at work, whatever that looks like. Um, yeah. And showing up in construction. I mean, I've worked 12, 14 hour days, at least five or six days a week for a really long time. And so I know what it is to work hard and having that grit has given me the endurance and perseverance to run this race. <clears throat> I guess I'm going to ask you a slightly tailored question about your past, right? Yeah. If you could go back in time and ask yourself and give yourself some advice about how life was going to transpire, right? What advice would you give yourself to prepare yourself for where you are now? where compared to where you were at before, especially because you mentioned you started drinking at 13, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what led you down the path to seek help? Sure. Wow, what a question. So yes, I started drinking at 13 and smoking weed and I lived a, a basically a double life because I really enjoyed using and drinking, but I was always very um, studious and I always got my homework done and I excelled at school. I went to engineering school. I graduated from USC um, and it wasn't until I was 27 that I got sober and that was motivated um, by actually I had a boyfriend at the time and he was pretty much going to dump me if I kept drinking. And so I had had other men in my life leave me because of my drinking. And I didn't want to get my heart broken again. I really didn't. And so after a particularly bad night of drinking and calling him in a blackout, and then the next morning waking up to him um, texting me and me calling him and him just saying, hey, I'm not going to be with you if you're going to drink like that. And hanging up the phone and just having that epiphany hit me like a ton of bricks of if I continue to drink, I'm going to lose everything that's important to me not only this man, but I just had this, this knowing that I would lose my job. I'd probably get a DUI. I might go to jail. I might be assaulted. Like it all just kind of flashed before me that I was on a path to destruction. And in that moment, I just surrendered. And then at lunch, I called that boyfriend and said, Hey, I need help. I think I have a drinking problem. And turns out he was 14 years sober through Narcotics Anonymous. He got sober really young. He was 19 when he got sober. And then when when we were dating, he was 34 and I was 27 and he took me to my first AA meeting. And then the advice I would give myself is 
trust the people that have what you want and follow their advice. When I was new in the program, I did not know how to emotionally regulate. I had terrible coping skills. I had terrible kind of everything. And I found a group of amazing women through Alcoholics Anonymous. I got sober in Hermosa Beach and Manhattan Beach, and I joined a women's group and I paid attention to what the women were doing that had what I want. The ones who had successful marriages and were respectable and had careers and were healthy and were doing well. And I listened to them and I took their advice and I got out of my own way and I worked a program. I got a sponsor. I showed up to meetings. I read the big book with my sponsor. And then I worked the steps even when I didn't want to. And it wasn't fun. And I didn't let my emotions control me anymore because when I was drinking, my emotions controlled everything. And I was just running amok chasing after that next high and that romantic relationship and just all of this dysfunctional, toxic stuff. And so when I got sober, it was about taking sound advice and doing things that I knew to be good for me or that would produce a result or would benefit my future self instead of giving into my emotions. Wow. That's a, that's a lot. Like you, you pretty much went from some of the deep, deep dark side of that whole entire aspect. Like I, so I know when I, I stopped drinking um, July of last year, um, I the reason why I stopped was I, I read this I read this book when I was really hungover. <laughs> <laughs> so let me correct that. I listened to a book while I was really hungover. <laughs> okay, and I was I was just looking at myself. And I'm like I've told myself over a thousand times I was going to stop doing this. So I just kept coming back and Mm -hmm. I'm reading this book about mindset and it literally helped me change uh, how I viewed alcohol, like completely. It broke it down. It was really good. And I just, I just did not want to drink. Great. It wasn't, it was the, I don't know, maybe the book helped me get into the right mindset to dissect my, thought process but it was it was amazing right now after after a year and a half i've had maybe like a handful of beers after july i just waited till my year mark to finally have one and when i did i was like i couldn't finish it i'm like yeah this is disgusting i don't like this um i've never really liked the alcohol taste and all that stuff Mm -hmm. plus also the time that it sucks away from your your day so yeah. that's, yeah. So I, yeah. I 100% see that. So one thing while you're going through your transition, right? Through that whole entire thing, what was it that was like, you know, this is my purpose. I want to help others. I want to be involved with other people's recovery, you know, mm-hmm. especially coming from construction background, you know, and then you're like, you know what? I, I want to help. Yeah. Well, I had actually wanted to start a treatment facility several years before when I I had been sober, maybe about five years and through some friends of friends, I got not to know, but just 
was at a bachelorette party and there was a woman there and she and her husband owned some treatment centers. And I was like, oh, that would be amazing because I've always loved helping people, counseling people, mentoring people. I've sponsored women in AA. I have mentored women throughout you know, my life just in general, especially since getting sober. And it's something I really enjoy and I'm just doing it for fun. So I, when I learned a little bit more about treatment, it's like, wow, that would be great. I'm passionate about recovery. I could help people. It could be my profession. That would be great. And then I looked up online, what does it take to start a treatment center? Well, you need a ridiculously large amount of money and the failure rate is incredibly high. And then of course, starting an, a business, anybody starting a new business that they're going to do full time, it consumes your whole life, right? And, it, and it's really risky. And I think I was like 30 years old at the time. And I just shut the door on that after my whole, you know, five or 30 minutes of looking online. I was like, no way. I'm 30 years old. I want to, maybe I was like 32, whatever it was. Um, I, I wanted to get married. I mean, I still want to get married. But at that time, I was not willing to give up my social life. And I didn't want to work 24-7. I really wanted to continue pursuing um, finding my husband and getting married. That plan still has not worked out. But that's okay. Um so five years later when, so yeah, I shut the door. I didn't have the money to start it. I wasn't willing to take the risk um, and I wasn't willing to give up what I wanted for my future. And so fast forward roughly five years later when then God opens the door and says, this is what I want you to do. And I mean, being a Christian, I prayed for a long time. Like God, show me my purpose. Show me why I'm here. What is my kingdom assignment? What do you want me to do? Is it really just... I've got a great career. I've got great friends. Go to a cool church. I'm, you know, having a great life. I play volleyball on the weekends at the beach. Like life is really good, but is, is there more? And so when basically when I got that calling, I was like, okay, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. And I was not willing to live with the feeling of regret. I hate regret probably more than anything. And I was like, you know what? I might try this and fail. Or this is real and God is going to show up and he is going to open all of the doors and this will be successful. And this is not just my dream, but also a kingdom assignment really coming true. And I just said yes and surrendered everything and then started working really, really hard to put everything together and learn everything that I needed to know. And then God has shown up and provided all the right people at all the right times and all the right places. I mean, literally I signed the lease on the house that we operate our facility out of. And the address for the house is 1549. And I had to put down a big deposit on the house. It was the most money I'd ever paid for anything. And it was, you know, kind of stressful. And then two days later, I went to pay one of my employees. And for some reason, like the bank was going to be late and they weren't going to pay him on time. And it really, it's important to me to pay him on time. So we ended up using PayPal and I hadn't opened my PayPal in a while because most people have Venmo, but this guy didn't. So I'm opening PayPal and I look at my assigned username, my handle. It's Siobhan Thompson, 1549, the exact address of the house. Wow. The, the statistical odds of that are like one in a million or something ridiculous. Yeah. And God was like, I, I assigned you this house. It's for you to be used for this purpose. And there have been many other miracles when we were going to get our joint commission accreditation. Um, there was a little bit of misunderstanding of when I had to notify them that we were ready so they could schedule it. 
And so when I, when it was scheduled, it ended up being like three weeks later than I thought. And in order for us to build medical insurance to get paid, we needed that joint commission accreditation. And three weeks is a long time when you have a large staff and an expensive building and blah, blah, blah. And so I call my consultant. I'm like, how did you mess this up? Why is it three weeks out? Like, we need this now. How often do you guys see the date move up? And they're like, oh, never. But sometimes it gets delayed further. And I got mad. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, yeah, it would be a miracle if the date moves up. And one of my employees, who is not a believer, looks at me and it's just like, oh, we're in trouble, aren't we? And I hang up the phone and I say, expect a miracle. And I declared it. And about three days later, or however many days later, we got a call and the appointment got moved up. And I was like, see, God is working. And she's like, whoa. And then literally the next week we got another call and they bumped up the date an additional two weeks. And, and it happened like the next week. And so not only did it move once, but it moved, it moved twice after hearing our consultant say like, that would be a miracle that never happens. And so we just keep seeing over and over and over again the miraculous happen. And those are just, you know, more related to me and the business, but what we've seen in our clients, the transformation, I think that's way more valuable and way more important, um, how they have come to be reinvigorated and have a passion for life and not want to die anymore and not want to use and recognize that they are not the threat to their family and that their family does need them and love them and they're valued and important and very needed. And so I think that's the best part. Um, so you mentioned yourself that you started drinking, right? Um, and then that you went down this path. Um, did you ever go to treatment yourself? I did not go to treatment myself. I got sober in the rooms of AA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so a lot of people that drink still, um, they are afraid of AA, right? because there's um getting recognized admitting that there's a problem and stuff like that uh it, it's a huge first step right what advice would you give them um to seek treatment to seek help to move forward past being stuck there yeah well i think our secrets hide when we well we when we hide and we isolate then our secrets and our shame and our guilt it entraps us and it enslaves us and so get into aa or some sort of support or recovery group with people who understand and people who have already overcome and won the battle because those people carry the authority to help others it's really hard to actually relate to alcoholics or addicts if you aren't one yourself, but everyone in an AA meeting is someone that has struggled with addiction, has struggled with drinking and wants to get help or has overcome themselves and they have the tools and they have the skill set. AA is also the least judgmental place I've ever been. The people there are so kind and they want to help and they carry a lot of like joy and happiness. I mean, not everybody, there's your grumpy monkeys off to the side or whatever, but in general, <laughs> you know, there are, and there's people who don't work a good program, but by, by and large, most people that are there, they're there because it's working for them and they go to get filled up with hope and 
to, to be renewed and to be restored and to also give back to others. I mean, I feel so good after leaving an AA meeting. Like I love it. And so give it a try. And I would say, don't let one's own preconceived notions about what something is like to impact them. And also every AA meeting is different. So if you go to one and it doesn't work, go to a different one in a different location or a different part of town. Or now they have them virtually so you can access them 24-7, seven days a week from the comfort of your home or wherever you're at from yourself when yeah. you're struggling, you're, you're in crisis, you can literally reach out and get the help that you need. Um, yeah. And for someone that has attended those meetings, um, I can attest. Uh, so my... Um, I had a really bad preconceived notion prior mm -hmm. to ever uh, attending. Uh, my my family took me to one uh, because I had other uh, friends and family members that had that. So it was like a way to kind of scare me before I was a teenager, right? So don't ever be an alcoholic kind of thing. And I was like, this is the first one that I went to. I thought it was really dumb. I thought, why, why do people, this is just a bitching session. That, that's, that's the image that was stuck in my mind for decades, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so breaking that barrier and going into another one and giving it another chance, I'm like, man, this is just a waste of time. I'm not going to like it, whatever. And just like you said, giving it a different chance going there, when you're ready, right? When your heart is ready, when your mind is ready to to welcome it. There are I, I love what you what you said, the, the grumpy monkeys, that is beautiful. That's gonna stay with me forever now. Um, but there are, you know, there's always that person that's there that is not really happy or is not at that level yet. Uh, but just there are so many others that are willing to help you and that are willing to share their love, their process and reach out and literally hold your hand um, through it. So I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you, Siobhan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they yeah. saved my life. I had tried before I got sober through AA. I had tried to get sober twice before by just what we call white knuckling it and just not going to the bars and not being around drinking and not going to any social things. And it didn't work because I didn't have any recovery because it's so much more than just not drinking. I had to really have that psychic change and restructure so many of my mental thought processes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's uh, that's not it's easier said than done for anybody that's done it. It's yeah. it's completely changing your mindset towards something. Something that used to give you pleasure, you're pretty much denying that little bit yeah. of or conceived conceived pleasure. It's yeah. Not really um, yeah. And I had to grow a lot. I was really, you know, selfish and immature and lacked a lot of character traits that I really had to work on. And so AA and working with a sponsor and the 12 steps, it built up that character in me that I didn't have. And I don't think that would have happened if I just stopped drinking, but continued to basically be a dry drunk and engage in the same behaviors just without alcohol. So to me, that's where the program is really important and impactful is an actual program of recovery. It's so much more than just not drinking. 
that's awesome what what other what other ways or what other things could our listeners do to help you and your mission and do you have any exciting news to release about like what you guys got going on anything that's pretty big going on in the next calendar year yeah we do we have so many things um we've built out the gym and the garage so we've got a bunch of workout equipment um multiple sets of kettlebells and free weights and actual machines bench press etc we've got a pool and a hot tub and a basketball hoop outside um we're also in a gorgeous gorgeous home in palos verdes estates overlooking the ocean pretty much all the bedrooms have an ocean view the master bedroom has the best view We've got an in-house chef. He's incredible. He's 15 years sober um, and his food is awesome. I have to actually use a lot of self-control to not get fat around here because his cooking is delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, We have an incredible staff. I've got a huge team. You know, of course, we have our medical team because we do medical detox and we have, um, you know, the nurse. And then we have our clinicians are actually our main primary therapist is a veteran. He's a Marine and Steve is incredible. So he's here with us three days a week and he does all of the one-on-one therapy with our clients. So as a veteran, he can relate. He's one of you. Um, Also, he's trained in EMDR. So if you've heard of EMDR, it's a great um, talk therapy for processing trauma. So we have him. We have several other clinicians as well. Noelle is um, one of our group facilitators, and she has a master's degree in suicidology, and that's part of her story. And so she's very well suited to relate to our clients and incredibly intelligent and compassionate. Um, And then our staff, like most of our staff is actually in recovery and practicing a program of recovery. So it's very easy to relate to anybody who's here or even debate with them. Like, Hey, does AA really work? Or what about this? Or I've got this problem or this preconceived notion or this reason why it's not going to work for me. So our staff, because they're in recovery, they're able to help people on that level. Um, We also recognize that most first responders and veterans have a lot of problems sleeping. So we have a PhD psychologist on our team, Dr. Richard Shane, and he's a behavioral sleep therapist. And he comes in to teach our clients techniques for sleeping that are non-pharmaceutical that will help them fall asleep, stay asleep, and go back to sleep if they wake up. Um, Since we believe in wellness, so healthy eating, exercise, sunlight, et cetera, we also believe in sleep. If we don't sleep well, we can't really expect our mental health to be great or our relationships to be great or our functionality to be great. Um, So we really push sleep as a way for people to help heal and to deal with things. I know that when I sleep well, I have a lot more energy and I have a lot more capacity to deal with stress or to overcome problems or solve problems or even just to have patience with people. Um, So sleep is huge and we are really big into sleep and exercise and eating well. Um, Typically we do two workouts a day, one in the morning and then a little longer one in the afternoon before dinner. Um, Let's see what else. Oh, peer support. We have had a lot more people jump on board and volunteer their time. So either active or retired law enforcement, fire and veterans. 
that come over and they just want to be with our guys and help them. They know that, hey, you're in rehab. This is a very difficult time. I've been there and I want to help you. And I want you to know you're not alone. You're not the only one that's gone through this. I've been there and I've also overcome and I have this many years sober. So we've got lieutenants and sergeants and officers and different things that just come over and either for dinner or lunch and then sit in the living room and or work out even and hang out with our guys and just let them know that they're not alone and help them see that they can have success in recovery as well. Um, so that's really exciting. And yeah, we're in network as a community care provider through uh, TriWest. So we can bill the VA. So for most veterans, the care should be covered, especially um, if they do have medical benefits through the VA. So is that also, does that also apply to active duty? Are they able to come to your facility for? Um, treatment? We are very glad to take active duty, but we are not in network with TRICARE. And so we would have to work out how it's going to get paid for. But I'm more than happy to work with people and come up and find a solution. Perfect. And you mentioned, so you you are in LA. Um, there's a lot of veterans, a huge population of veterans there. You're very, you're connected to one of our, of our very own Christine Mantilla, who we absolutely love and adore. Mm -hmm. I know you were also you're also connected with the Patriots and Paws first first and goal project. Um, what can we as mm -hmm. return to roots yeah. do to help you with your mission? Sure. The most important thing is that we get the care that's needed to the people that need it. So we're trying to spread the word that we exist, that we have beds available, that we're here to help, that we're a quality program. Um, we offer trauma care as well as recovery or addiction treatment services. So we're both. We're a dual diagnosis facility and we offer medical detox, residential treatment for substance abuse and mental health. And we really work on that trauma piece. So I want to be able to help more of our heroes and more of our warriors. I don't want them to suffer and I don't want them to be alone and I don't want them to um, commit suicide. That just absolutely breaks my heart. So to help spread the word that we exist and that we're able to help and that for most veterans, especially if they've got, you know, try Western benefits, like it shouldn't cost them anything and that their life's going to be a lot better. Um, and even if they don't come to our program, there's so many other amazing programs out there and so many AA meetings and so many people that want to help. So, please reach out. I've met so many incredible, amazing organizations that are really doing great work. And there's so many people that want to help. So continue to look for help in whatever way that works for someone. Like get the help. Don't just stay home. And so you mentioned there is, your program is six beds, mm -hmm. amazing facilities. Um, how long is your program for? And it's for, only for inpatient treatment, correct? Yes, we only have inpatient treatment. We don't do outpatient. Typically, it's 30 days. If someone can't come for 30 days, for whatever reason, we'll work with them. We just think it's most effective to be here for 30 days. If someone needs to stay longer, we're happy for them to stay longer. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, hey, I think we uh, are heading into the final rounds. Do you have anything else you want to uh, shout out before we get to the... Uh, end of the show. 
that we're here to help and that it works. And we've seen so many men restore not just their lives, but their families, their vocation, and really be happy. I love it when the clients say, man, I haven't felt happy in a long time and I actually feel happy. Or we take them to go do an outing and they're like, I haven't done this thing sober maybe ever. And it was actually really fun. And I'm not filled with like shame and regret and I don't feel awful and I'm not hungover. So there's hope, there's healing. We would love to be a part of someone's journey and help them. Um, and yeah, we're available. We can help. Um, we live it every day. We're in recovery. We've got an incredible team of really caring people. And so reach out. Thank you so much for coming on the show uh, and hanging out with us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen that are listening, all you listeners, the tribe, hey, thanks for tuning in, all right? And thanks for listening to uh, Siobhan's story. And make sure you share it and go check out her website and link up with her on LinkedIn. Make her have to use her LinkedIn again. So <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, I'm so thankful to have you guys listening to us, sharing that support. Please continue to do so. We are only as strong as the tribe is. All right. All right, everybody. It's your transition. It's not all rainbows and unicorns out there. Take charge of it. Mm -hmm. Return to roots. Mildevet out.